to entertain you, we'll sing your songs. Hey there, are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. back and it is the 1950s baby because of me i was like let's watch the deadly mantis and here's the thing i gotta give you an upfront apology most of the deadly mantis is trash but it's an hour and 10 minutes (laughs) so whatever i have always been weirdly obsessed with the movie the deadly mantis even though i hadn't seen it until literally two years ago i posted a picture on my Instagram very recently that was the book, The Deadly Mantis, the orange, like, monsters collectible books. And I used to take that book out of the library and just look at the pictures of this mantis prop and be like, that looks so fucking cool. Little did I know that the actual Deadly Mantis was just stock footage (laughs) the movie with the occasional it, deadly mantis. You know, it, that's what's so funny about this movie, and I'm, I have a feeling some more uh, movies that you're picking in the near future, is that, like, they had to pad for time, and it was still only an hour and 
10 minutes. <laughs> it's a little rough. It's, it's, it's admittedly a little bit rough. I mean, the movie essentially starts off with like a three minute instructional video on radar history. <laughs> yeah, that's really weird. That, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying is that like, when you watch this, what were they trying? Uh, did they have some sort of like Matt? You're the one who always does the research on the behind the scenes stuff. So you tell me, did they have to have like a minimum runtime, kind of like Chucky Band had to, and so he'd have like ten minutes of Full Moon's catalog and beforehand? <laughs> I mean, I I think that obviously you don't want to release a film that's under an hour, because um, then it's barely even a film. Uh, so I feel like that was always the standard, that a feature-length film is at least 60 minutes. But, you know, the, it's weird. These are like, the thing that I like about this era of cinema, we'll take a quick temperature check here. Like, I think we all know that this is a bad movie. But can we also mm -hmm. all agree that there's something charming about, like, late 50s films where, like, even when they're bad, they're not, like, intolerable like we've watched some intolerable movies in our past but like this was whatever this was this was like a popcorn movie without as much excitement as watching popcorn pop yeah no it was it wasn't bad my the thing with 50s movies specifically that's always a challenge for me and i sure i could have just googled it and found out but i'm lazy is like it's hard to tell if this was a low budget movie or a high budget movie because watching it in 2021, you're like, ah, this is low budget. But like in the 50s, uh, I'm pretty sure they I, spent zero dollars on this film. Yeah, no, I, I really well, see. I, I kind of agree with you, Brian. I think that what happened is that they were given a budget. Who knows what the budget was? But they were given a budget, and then they were like, I think they just paid us for what it's going to cost to build the mantis. So then they like built this pretty impressive mantis, and then afterwards was like, oh, that was the whole film budget. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, what do we got in the stock footage library? <laughs> like, let's pull some footage. Let's, yeah. let's pull random footage of Eskimos in canoes and let's just speed oh, that, that shit up. That shit is, that does not <laughs> sit well with me. And also, are they Inuit or are they, are they supposed to be Greenland that they were going over in that section? I don't know, man, but it is. Let me see. It was stock footage from some other movie. Was it like, no, it wasn't the yeah. fucking it first says, documentary. The shown of Eskimos fleeing from the mantis is actually from the movie SOS Iceberg from 1933. Oh, okay. so, this came out wow. in 1957. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no one's going to know. <laughs> It's I missed that part. That's so much funnier that it was like 25-year-old <laughs> footage. They're just like, I don't know. Just throw it in there. Fuck it. And the fact that it's so sped up, it just cuts to a bunch of dogs running around for a couple seconds. Like, it is just... That, like, I think that that's where the movie is a little charming. It's a bad movie. It's so all over the place. And most of the time, it's like, I just want to see the mantis. I just Show me the mantis. Show me that stiff-ass flying mantis prop. That's all I need. I don't need the story of the scientists. Like, Oh, I'm, you you mean the weird misogyny that's going on at that, that base where they're like, a female woman, I thought they stopped making them. Yeah, well, I mean, welcome to 1957 <laughs> at that point. <laughs> I suppose that's true. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's just one of those. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are encapsulations of their time for sure. But I don't know, there's something charming about, like, it, I keep coming back to the word charming. It's charming when I watch these types of movies because they are just like, at the end of the day, 
and, and this is the comparison that I will probably make multiple times throughout this year, but like, I will take a Deadly Mantis movie over a Sharknado movie. You know what I mean? Like, I will take the like, we honest to God are just trying to make a movie to show off this Mantis versus like, I don't know, we could just CGI a tornado that's got sharks in it and call it a day, really. <laughs> There's some roast in it True. to that statement, yeah. you know, for both me and you. And I don't, and the weird thing is it's not even like it's roast in it because it's like, yeah, oh, this neither is what one we of watched us saw this childhood. until recently. It's, <laughs> yeah, it was just more like, hey, this reminds me of the drive-in yeah. diner at Disney. Yeah, I love Disney. For sure. I'll watch well, this that's movie. exactly what it is. Well, that's because like the story with yeah. this one is, like I said, I used to read that book all the time and look at the pictures. Oh, my God. Psychologically, we just figured out something. But this is the origin story of like Matt's obsession with big animal movies was like as a kid no. reading the Deadly Mantis book over and over and over again and being like, this looks so cool. It's a mantis, but it's giant. Um, and, then, like, <laughs> and deadly. And, like, and I did like, I was all about, I'm going to name a couple movies and it's totally fine. And people still want to use them as their double features later. But like this tarantula, them, like all of these fifties films that are all basically the same concept <laughs> of like, Hey, nuclear explosion made insects big. Humans didn't get affected by it. That's weird. And so, like, I was obsessed with all of these movies, none of which I actually got around to seeing until college because, like, a lot of the old 50s horror stuff that Brian and I watched was through my grandfather, who really didn't have a lot of, like... Sci-fi. He was yeah, he, he, he was universal. He was a universal yeah, so he guy. had, like... Every Actually, Dracula. this was universal. Yeah. Well, it was, but he was, <laughs> but he was like the, I mean. the main monster stuff. He was like all the Dracula yeah. movies, all the Frankenstein movies, all the Wolfman movies. He even had like a couple Hammer Wolfman movies, I realize now in retrospect, like Fury of the Werewolf and stuff. Yeah, he had a few. Ha I thought he had a lot more. And then when I was looking at it, it was just that Universal recasted a lot. Yeah. So, like, he would have <laughs> like a Dracula, you know, like. The whatever one came after the son of Dracula, and it wasn't Bella Lugosi, but it was put out by the same How company. How do you pronounce that last name? Lugosi. <laughs> I think it's Lugosi. It is Lugosi. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny when a Kelly roasts a Kelly wait, about. Isn't wait? Isn't he German? I. But Brian, you have talked about how Ed Wood is your favorite, one of your favorite movies, and they say Bella Lugosi that whole movie. Okay. And I talk about how Say Anything is my favorite band, and I still call him Max Bemis, even though it's Bemis. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, touche. <laughs> Maybe Lugosi was in its original German, but once he became a star in America, he was Lugosi. <laughs> that's... No, no, that's not true. Listen, Khalil's name is Khalil. Just because he moved to the suburbs and everyone calls him Khalil doesn't make his name Khalil. just makes us dumb. Yeah, but if he started marketing himself as Bella Lugosi, that's on him. Oh, if true. he wasn't stopping people in an interview and saying, actually, it's Legacy. <laughs> like, well, well, in his defense, see how many times I'm like, and uh, who am I speaking with? Brian? Ryan? Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. That's, I think that's more an indictment of yourself. <laughs> no, I've been there. I've been called Mike a million times on support calls, and I've just been like, I don't want to embarrass this person. They're not going to talk to me ever again. There's no reason to be yeah. like, actually, it's Matt. Anyway, bye forever. <laughs> <laughs> like, I could be Mike. That's fine. But yeah, we didn't grow up on these movies, but I think that that's almost what built, like, such an allure to them. And my first chance seeing this was literally, as as a lot of people who listen to the show know, I get a lot of, like, advanced copies of Scream Factory releases. 
I have never clicked reply so quickly as when I got the press release that was like, Scream Factory releasing Deadly Mantis and Tarantula. And I was like, oh! <laughs> it replies so fast. And I think in all caps, it was like, I have been wanting to see this movie since I was three. <laughs> like, I was so excited for Deadly Mantis. And I, like, usually those will show up. And, like, I won't immediately run and throw them in the Blu-ray player and be like, oh, cool, I'll watch this sometime this week. Oh, I got to that Blu-ray player real fucking fast to pop in, Deadly <laughs> Mantis. Like, it was like a kid getting candy after going out for Halloween, where you're just like, I just want to look at the hall. I want to see what's in there. I'm going to eat all the best pieces. That was me watching Deadly Mantis. You saved some guy's job for one month. Oh, for like, sure. Like, you just bought him an additional month. Like, he was like, see, Steve, you told me it would be a waste of money to <laughs> to print this Blu-ray, but look at all the fan mail we're getting. <laughs> And then a month later, they're like, all right, John, we sold one copy and it was an advanced screening for free. <laughs> you know, the funnier thing, too, is that like Matt being over exuberant with Scream Factory at that point, probably they were like, let's just snooze this conversation for 30 days. <laughs> we need some space. <laughs> they're like, it's so weird. He didn't respond when we were offering him the complete Friday the 13th collection. But man, did he respond to <laughs> Deadly Mantis and Tarantula. It's not a great movie. It's not a. It's not even really a good movie. So Scott, I do have to ask you because I've mentioned this a couple times, but no one seems to back me up on this. Am I the only one that thinks that the Mantis actually looks good in this movie? Oh, the Mantis is badass. Okay, <laughs> it's like getting concerned. It looks good. I think I hold a record for this movie. It took me seven times to watch this movie. Oh dear God, that's like you fell asleep every ten minutes. Or... <laughs> no, nah, I mean, in the movies, it's, it's not really slated the movie. It's been a busy week. So, like, I'll, like, watch it on my lunch break, which my lunch break has been, like, 10 to 15 minutes. And I had to watch it on Palsum, which had, or Falsum, whatever the free app is, which had, like, five-minute commercials in between it. So you did watch but, a full-length movie. Yeah, so there's something worse yeah. than Tubi. Got it. Yeah, no, it's, like, really, yeah, it's really bad. That's unfortunate. But, yeah, okay, so I just wanted to make sure... And speaking of the, the the movie that we're discussing, I don't know, last week or next week, I don't keep track. Whatever one we're recording today, I had to watch on Tubi as well because bringing back the Brian Ryan thing, Scott sent me a JPEG of the movie, and I didn't have the heart to tell him, so then I just watched <laughs> Fucking really? Scott, did you just send him the poster? <laughs> like, no, I think no. It, I think it's something sent weird. Oh, yeah, okay. something sent weird. No, I'll have to look. Oh, I remember when that happened. I was like, wow, that transferred really fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. There is one thing that we got to talk about in this film. It's how bad the kissing is. Oh. Like the, the, the worst goddamn kisses I've seen in weeks. 50s, 50s had some bad stage kissing for sure. Yeah. I mean, do you know about like the weird MPAA or I guess this was Hayes Code, the Hayes Code kissing rule? No, I don't know about this. Okay. So, Brian, you can back me up on this a little bit because I think mm -hmm. you know this probably even better than I do. But obviously the Hayes Code was this very, very, very strict rule about filmmaking where it was like the villain always has to die. You know, women who are, you know, this type of characteristic can't get the man at the end. Like if they're if they're overly sexualized, they can't get the man at the end. They have to, you know, be alone like stuff like like just very strict moral code stuff. And one of the things was that a kiss couldn't last more than like three to five seconds 
Um, and if it went longer than that, it had to get cut. So one of the things that like it's an Alfred Hitchcock story, but one of his movies to get around that he would instead of having one long romantic kiss, they would kiss for five seconds, have a little bit of dialogue, kiss again for five seconds, have a little bit more dialogue, kiss again. Like, so he was just like, I want this to feel romantic and nothing feels romantic if you're only doing a quick three second kiss, but multiple kisses feels even more romantic than one long kiss. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Like I've seen a lot of, of 40s movies and 50s movies, but probably more mm-hmm. along the lines of like the 40s when this, like where this is coming to mind, but like they'll kiss for like maybe two seconds and then they'll talk and then they're like in the throes of passion and they'll kiss and then talk. I never really thought about that. I just thought that that was like a, a screenwriting quirk that they had back then, but that's kind of mind-blowing. I love I love that information. Yeah, Thank you. That, yeah, that's very that's very creative on that. Yeah, that was, I actually thought it had something to do with the regulations. I was watching like one of the Christmas carols many years ago, and when they went to kiss, it didn't show it. There was just like the guy was holding presents and they kissed behind presents. I'm like, hmm, that's weird. They weren't allowed to kiss. And then I looked it up. They're brother and sister. Oh, so. <laughs> oh yeah, that would do it. I mean, that's where you have like even the stuff like a movie like Casablanca. It's like when they kiss and it's a big romantic kiss, it fades out. You know what I mean? Like they really mm-hmm. were so strict on this time limit. And that's, I mean, that's just stuff I learned from watching a lot of weird documentaries about that era of filmmaking. <laughs> the fact that you didn't bring this up when we did Fade to Black really disappoints me. Well, I mean, it wasn't as important in Fade to Black. No one brought up the weird kissing back then. <laughs> yeah, they just brought up the weird masturbation. Well, I mean, there was no haze codes about masturbation. You could go crazy there. <laughs> well, times have not changed. I-, I do have to say another thing about it. Back to the kissing. Uh, scenes in this because it's it's really my big takeaway from the movie because I've seen all the, the scenes with the Mantis like separately. This was my first full watch of the movie. But the funniest thing about it is like the at the end when, you know, the, the Mantis is vanquished and, you know, the photographer woman is supposed to go up and take a picture then the, the scientist or whatever like whips her off of her feet, uh, whisks her off of her feet and is kissing her and she says, put me down. I said, put me down. And then he puts her down and in my mind, like the best way to save yourself from the embarrassment of being, you know, the guy in that situation is be like, okay, well, you're not that good of a kisser anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, no, I will not make out with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then you did bring up the tunnel scene. Tunnel scene's a great little ending set piece, a, a tunnel that does not exist in New York, um, the Manhattan Tunnel. Even, you know, following all the way into the 90s, we still know the rule that the monster isn't truly dead. This couldn't have been the first time, right? Oh, no, and it certainly won't be the last time where the claw just starts to raise like, oh, shit! <laughs> they just start opening fire on it again. It's like, okay, now it's really dead. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along.
at maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You know, it's a goofy little film from 1957, and I'm glad that I picked it. And I want to know what are your double features, but I'll go first because I picked this one. I'm going to double feature this. Actually, not with another big animal movie, but the 50s blob movie. This just felt like it would have fit in perfectly if you were sitting at a drive-thru, and then right after this, you hear the sweet sounds of the blob theme song, and you're like, oh boy, here we go. It's the blob. <laughs> I will go with Cloverfield, which okay. I don't really, I don't love Cloverfield, but I love the little crab monsters. Yeah. And if we're going for, I mean, and I also, I haven't seen any of the other uh, I haven't seen the Cloverfield Paradox or uh, what's the one with John Goodman? Oh, uh, Ten Cloverfield that's Lane. So, Ten Cloverfield Lane is so really good. good. That's the best one but of it, the series for sure. Yeah, yeah. But that the fact that you know awesome. it's a Cloverfield movie kind of ruins it a little bit because well, everybody knows it's a Cloverfield movie now. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like I kind of went in there before I fully knew. I was like, oh, that's weird that they use the word Cloverfield in this movie title. But like, you're just watching. You're like, all right, whatever. And then you're like, oh, shit. Like, I love secret sequels. <laughs> like, well, wasn't it not even supposed to be Cloverfield? I thought it wasn't. Yeah, I thought, I thought it, was it wasn't Cloverfield when they shoehorned it in, the in, the last, in the 11th hour. Maybe. It would make a lot more sense because I don't think the ending was supposed to be. I think the ending ruined it. And if you cut out the five minutes, it would have been a perfect thriller yeah well it's a, yeah but that's also movie. why i haven't watched it yeah. because i don't yeah. give a fuck about thrillers yeah the whole time your your brain is just doing like mental gymnastics trying to figure out if this is a kidnapping story or actually a heroic story i like the idea of matt's anything doing gymnastics it just <laughs> makes me chuckle well i would double feature this with king kong because this obviously was inspired by it uh, if you take the Empire State Building and the Washington Monument, put them side by side, <laughs> King Kong is better. Yeah. Uh, okay, so King Kong is, and, and I'm pretty sure that they like straight up pulled some audio clips from like King Kong. Like I feel like there's like a King Kong scream in this movie. Um, yeah. So when this was released in 1957, it was the B film in the double feature drive-in with a spy movie called The Girl in the Kremlin. In the Gremlin? Oh, would have been cooler. <laughs> Starring Zaza Gabor. Just a James Dean looking gizmo. Yeah, so we, uh, what's what's happening here, what I'm learning is that we put way more effort into good double features that make sense on our movie <laughs> night than they actually did in the 50s. Yeah, because Matt, no one's getting a handy listen to our podcast. <laughs> you don't know that. Speak for yourself. Listeners, hmmpodcast at gmail.com. If you've gotten a handy while listening to our podcast, I'd like to know. Uh, all right, so what is something? Listen, I, I, time to kick shame you. <laughs> so what is something that you've watched or listened to or read that you want to talk about? Uh, I already spoiled this for Scott's wife this week, but I finally watched Newsies this week. And boy, she was livid that I watched Newsies. 
that no, you haven't it took seen you it. this long. Oh, gotcha. I was like, I was like, she seemed really excited that I liked it. But yeah, I finally watched Newsies. Good film. And then I also followed it up by watching the 2017 Broadway performance of Newsies that was also in Disney Plus, uh, which was also really good. I am a Newsies fan. He's a Newsies fan. Yes. <laughs> All right, but that's um, it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I still, one of the great disappointments of my marriage, uh, not on my side, but on Megan's, um, besides the fact that she married me, is the uh, fact that when the Newsies musical came to Cleveland, I didn't try and buy tickets like the day they became available and it sold out within like a day. So she didn't get to see the Newsies. At least we got to see Hamilton. Yeah, I think that that's a win. Mm. So um, I want to talk about St. Maud because I got to see St. Maud. Uh, which, you know, everybody's been waiting for it. It was supposed to be out last year. It's the new A24 movie. It's good. I mean, I like it. Uh, it's it's for a slow burn, as, you know, their stuff typically typically is. The pacing's great. Um, I'm not really a slow burn guy, but I, I really liked the pacing of it. Um, I was not disappointed so much um during the movie i was kind of waiting for things some certain things to happen that didn't and that's okay because i think that the point of the movie is not what i was gunning for and that's okay like but, I, but what i really liked about the movie is and I'm, I'm trying to keep it very vague but what i really liked about the movie is the fact that it took everyday occurrences and through the eyes of the you know the main character Maud, um, it gives them a supernatural tinge, and it's you know kind of like it's been a long long time since I watched um, like a Beautiful Mind, uh, you know about schizophrenia, but I I feel like the idea of like religious mania is an awesome kind of like horrifying concept for a movie, but to pull it off in such a way where it feels like a toilet flushing and watching the the water go down or watching a bug move and having that without any words imply religious significance and like validity is super, super cool. Um, and they succeeded in that way. So I think it's a very good movie. I don't know when the next time I'll watch it is because it's, oh, it's not like, so it's, it's not like Midsummer where it's like super heavy it's and it's definitely not like hereditary which is like you know jaw drop holy fuck kind of movie it's just like but it's uh, also not super light like it's kind of it's not yeah. super yeah exactly but it's it's since it's a slow burn and it's a little heavier than my typical fare it may be a couple years before i watch it again but i think it's a really really good movie and i'm looking forward to watching it again and catching more small details because it's one of those kinds of movies where i think super pun super intended but like the devil's in the details kind of thing i would say that that's kind of like the a24 like bread and butter right and brian obviously has watched way more of them more times than either one of us has but yeah. like they definitely <laughs> seem to specifically make movies that do kind of require a second or third viewing for you to catch all of what's being shown symbolically throughout the film brian how about you tell us what you've been watching or doing mr busybody because you know, <laughs> you, you could only watch a, a 74 minute long movie in seven increments. So I doubt you've got a lot of pleasure watching this week. Well, uh, last night after we got caught up on our shows, we watched the uh, Britney Spears documentary, The New York Times Presents. It's good. I think everyone should watch it. I just 
uh, people just don't get it. It drives me crazy. Like everyone was sharing about the Britney Spears thing. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. You know, and I watched it and I agree. But then like the next day I see that a video of Bam Margera has got like a million shares and a million views. And it's like, are you not getting the point? Like, this is what gives paparazzi's value. Like stop getting a fetish on people's downfalls and when they're in the, whether you like the people or not, like they're human beings. And I just, you're just shedding a light on them at their lowest. You know, the guy is like a crippling alcoholic and is pretty much crying for help, but in a very deniable way. I'm not saying feel for him, but don't like market his fucking failure. It's like what the whole documentary is about is like preying on people when they're vulnerable and no one gets it. Yeah, it's a bad habit of our entire society, right? Like it is very easy for us to retroactively jump on the white horse and be like, this was wrong, but at the exact same time, be repeating those exact same bad tendencies in the present with what's happening. Yeah. I mean, that's just like human nature, uh, unfortunately, is that we, I feel like humans are essentially designed to not fully comprehend what they're doing or what they're saying or what they're thinking until retrospectively. I think that's why, like, I consider myself a good person and I think that I was always a good person, but I can still look back at things that I said or did 10, 15 years ago and go, mm, uh, I probably wouldn't <laughs> yeah, have said Yeah, those it. always happen in the middle of the night. Too. Yeah, it's like, you, you just, you learn and that's like the, but if you're not using that information to grow and learn, you're kind of wasting that energy. If you can't look at like, man, it was fucked up when I did that 15 years ago. And then you just keep doing it anyway. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not growth. But like being able to say, oh, that was fucked up and like making an actual honest to goodness change in your life to not continue to do those fucked up habits is a, a good thing. Yeah, because like there's so many. I mean, I look back at what I knew of Britney Spears and it was like she lost her mind. She shaved her head. She went ballistic, you know, on that car. And then you realize like, OK, shaving her head when she did that, it was like she was just so fed up. And pretty much shaved her head to be like, listen, I'm not that fucking pop star anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be the person you want me to be. And then the umbrella to the car thing, they like show the footage of like, she's trying to see her kids and the paparazzi follows her to her ex-husband's house, to a gas station, to her ex-husband. And she keeps asking him to leave her alone. So then finally she took an umbrella out and beat the paparazzi's car with it, which is like justified. You know, we're normal. We don't get like harassed by people every time we leave the house. So we don't really know that, like, I can only imagine. Uh, when I have to go to a party, I'm ready to break down and hit someone just for talking to me. Well, that's why I always have loved the the John Waters quote, where he says he's the he's the right level of famous because only people he would want to interact with recognize. Yeah, him. we're gonna have the most problematic podcast. One day. <laughs> I just know it. I just people are gonna find episode twelve and be like, "Look at him! They were praising this guy, and look at all the horrible things he yeah, just did." Yeah, uh, yeah, you know what? Like I said. Our podcast is all about growth and looking at what you did wrong and saying, oops, sorry, we won't do that again. We've learned our lesson. That's why we can watch a movie as problematic as Deadly Mantis and say, yeah, but look at that Mantis prop. Um, so that was Deadly Mantis from 1957. As always, it's so weird to say a, a year that long ago. I'm so used to be like 1980, <laughs> but 1957. But don't worry, we'll be right back in the 90s next week with Scott's pick. Uh, one that, again, similarly to My Bloody Valentine just a couple weeks ago, one that's kind of insane to think that it took us almost 300 episodes to get around to talking about, because it has been 
a very heavily quoted film in the <laughs> horror movie night canon. Uh, in fact, so heavily quoted, Scott sent a picture of the quote to Brian <laughs> as the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so tune in next week to find out what that movie is. Piper, Patrick Lacey, S.E. Howard, Waylon Jordan, and Jeremy Herbert. Five acclaimed authors of horror and dark fiction. Their twisted tales appeared in the acclaimed horror anthology Worst Laid Plans from Grindhouse Press. Now, their tales of vacation terror are coming to the big screen in a feature film adaptation from Genre Blast Films. Five acclaimed genre filmmakers will bring these stories to life. Samantha Koyesnik, John Hale, Vanessa Yonta Wright, Michael Escobedo, and Jeremy Herbert. Worst Laid Plans. Now crowdfunding on Indiegogo. This is one vacation you'll be dying to take. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.